Welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher, tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Madigan. What's up? This week's sermon was titled something akin of, Hey Jesus, have a seat. That's right, but you got to read it in the right tone. You can't be like, you can't be like, hey Jesus, have a seat. Like, 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 you, like you say to a five-year-old, hey kid, have a seat. Yeah, it's not like Jesus in the front of the movie. They're like, hey, sit down. Hey, you up front, sit down. I, you make a better, better uh, door than you do a window, right? <laughs> hey Jesus, sit down. So, so it's really important that you read this with the right tone. Well, there's an exclamation point. Yes, yeah, so it's kind of like you're excited. Okay. Hey Jesus. Have a seat. Have a seat. Welcome back, man. Yeah. I'm Cracker Brewski with Jesus. <laughs> That's right, man. Not that he's your homeboy. He's, no, 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 no. He's your high priest. I mean, God can say that to Jesus. <laughs> They're homeboys. You and I are not homeboys with Jesus. That's not. Nope. <laughs> but we can partake of the wine of gladness. Mm-hmm. But I can do that with you. True. Okay. Have a seat. Have a seat. Hebrews 8, 1 through 5 this week. Uh, took off verse 6, which we'll tackle this coming week. Um, but the summary for, for this is, uh, the beginning of the setup of some of the covenant stuff we're going to talk about, and mm-hmm. particularly you're going to unpack a lot of this first point this next week. Uh, but then also blending us in with some more of this, uh, high priest duties within that covenant. So the points were, uh, roughly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the old covenant was a pattern for the new, our high priest took his seat and our pre- high priest is king. So right. you, you see, hopefully nothing crazy new from what we've talked about before, uh, but we continue to see these things kind of unpack uh, as he's as he's taking us through that. So with that, really, what I think we kind of want to lean into this week as, as and to try not to belabor stuff that was in the sermon, like you should listen to the sermon again, is really kind of unpacking some of that really experiential aspect of what it was like to be in the Old Covenant. And we've tried to do bits and pieces of that in our preaching over uh, Hebrews, but like the picture of the priest, like not being at his station, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. Mm -hmm. The fact that there's not, you know, smoke rising from the altar, that there's not animals being led to the slaughter. Like Mm -hmm. that's highly unusual from everything that they have known for so long. And so this is a real anxiousness, a real uncertainty and like, where's everything at? But then for them who were there, it was no done deal either, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, when people were – I think we, we just I – mean, there's a sense in which I wish the, the physical aspects of <laughs> the Old Covenant was still a reality. Yeah. Um, and in a sense, that's what communion is. Yeah, it should be. Right? So for them uh, in the old on the Old Testament, <clears throat> they're – they're walking a physical sacrifice to a physical priest going into a, a physical sanctuary to offer up the sacrifice. And, and they're reminded of their sin, but they're also reminded of God's mercy and God's grace and all of that at the same time. Um, but there, there was a real sense of, is it going to be successful this year? Like, yeah. is it, is it, is God going to receive this? And, and, and if you know, anything about the old testament beyond the story of david goliath and noah's and his archiarchy like <laughs> you uh 
you see that there are periods where indeed it seems as though the sacrificing is going well, and then there are periods where it's not. That's why in our liturgy, the assurance of pardon is so important. Yeah. Uh, of recognizing that the that sacrifice has been made and accepted. Yeah. You've been pardoned. Yeah. So when they rehearse every year the sacrifice, they're rehearsing uh, something that is in hopeful anticipation of something in the future. Like yeah. they're they're saying I I hope that this is going to to take in a sense. When we partake in the Lord's Supper, we're rehearsing something we know that was a past reality. Mhm. That is the ground for a hopeful future. Yeah. Right? But what I want to do is I want to like, take us back to that, that moment of the, of the priest and the sacrifice and the old covenant. And, and like the people would have been asked, like, will he actually make it? Will there, will there be thorough success? Will God accept our plea for forgiveness through this sacrifice? And I think, I think maybe... For some of us, we're lost on that. Like we're lost, that idea is lost on that because uh, we don't in our world today. We're so sheltered from uh, wins and losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we pay to watch sports where um, you know players that are very disconnected from us win and lose, <laughs> but. But for our own selves, you know, even when we lose in a job situation, it's always someone else's fault. It's mm-hmm. it's not our fault. Or or when our when our kids play sports, we've got to give everyone participation trophies. You know. Yeah. Uh, so the idea of no, you lost. I mean, I regularly tell my kids, uh, literally all of them, uh, that second place is just the first place loser. Yeah, that's that's. I, I I hold up team sports a lot because there's so much good adult lessons you can learn in there. Uh, but that's one of the huge dangers, especially when it's compared to uh, any other one versus one sport. So tennis, you know, I guess golf. Um, <laughs> for me, BJJ. Like at the end of the at the end of the round, somebody's hand is getting raised, and the other person's is not. Like, it's not. You lost. It didn't work. You're done. Yeah. You're done. So, <laughs> like you know, as as proud as I might be, you know, in a wrestling tournament, when when my child might get their hand held up in the loser bracket, it's still the loser bracket. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're not, we're not saying, like, don't celebrate getting better and stuff like that, but, like, no, we're dealing with sin and judgment. Yeah. So first place is the only place. Yeah. And, and the connection that I'm just trying to draw, it might feel a little far-stretched here, but or far far-reach. Well, the consequences part isn't. No, it, that's, what, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Like, we've just tried to shelter ourselves from any kind of tension that mm-hmm. might, oh my gosh. So when we get, when we start thinking, so that's, so what I'm trying to say is like, that's the kind of culture we're swimming in, that's the stream, when the biblical stream is going the opposite direction, and it's telling us that, that there was something really big at stake here. Yeah. There was a real loss, and it wasn't just, oh, no, God might not feel good with me, and I may not feel like I'm saved today. For them, not feeling saved today, let me back up, they wouldn't have been saying, oh, I hope I feel saved tomorrow after the high priest gets done. They would have been saying, oh, I hope I'm still alive tomorrow Yes. after the priest gets done. And and my point is that that's lost on us, Mm -hmm. that thought. So then when we get then to to these, the book of Hebrews, and you've got these guys in Hebrews who, uh, the, the recipients would have been Jews, 
would have had that kind of experience, yeah, that that kind of worry, then for them to be told that your priest sits eternally in heaven, mm-hmm. like for them is going to be two things going on. One is going to be, oh, but hang, hang on, I don't have anything in my hands. Mm-hmm. I didn't give anything to the priest. I didn't see the priest. I didn't see him walk in. I didn't see Jesus walk into the throne room. I didn't see him. I didn't see the Father tell him to sit down. I didn't see. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't but I see all my friends walking down the road with their lambs to go to the high priest. Yeah. I, I see all that. Yep. So like that's going to be in one hand, and then in the other hand is going to be if they're truly redeemed, is going to be. But this is secure. Oh. This is forever. I don't have to worry about this. Mm-hmm. I don't. So that if we're if we're going to grasp Hebrews, like those are the kind of things that we've we've got to understand because the author's intent is being spoken to a particular people mm-hmm. and that particular people is going to have the kind of scenario that I just described. Yeah. And then we got to think okay, so then how does our scenario, how does it speak into our scenario. And so that's where we get into the idea of, well, what sacrifices are we tempted to put in our hands because we lack the faith to, uh, to hold on to Christ. And so what are we tempted to pick up? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to like kind of get a little granular here yeah, and think about like just some more examples of what our people would be tempted. I mean, and I mean, literally, like looking at your your friends that come over for your kids' birthday parties. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you tempted to look at their lives and say, I want to pick up that because it's got something I want because Jesus isn't enough. And you're willing, because you want to pick up the the thing that, that they have, you're also picking up the thing they're sacrificing to get it. Yeah. I mean, because everything comes with a cost. Well, because there's value tied up in it. Yeah. Or at least perceived value. Yeah. So, like, what are some of those examples? And I wanted to start with, a, like, a cultural example, hopefully maybe a little bit of a wake-up call, but then move beyond that into things that are probably a little more pressing for us particularly. But, um, you know, parents who want their kids to like them so bad. And, again, part of the reason I want to give this example, because this is – this is happening in our world right now, and this is not... This has happened to people in our church. Mm, yeah. Uh, past members. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it was a home base. Yeah. Yeah. No, ex- exactly. So you have you have parents because they want their child to feel happy or loved, which is really, in this situation, just about the parents feeling happy and loved, are willing to mutilate the the private parts of their kids. And, and so I didn't give that example in my sermon just to be cheek, you know, just to be uh, snarky or mm-hmm. to, to, uh, or to be crasp. Like, it's genuinely happening. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I read a story today of an 18-year-old boy who died from a botched transition surgery. Why? Because, because he was on puberty blockers, his own male private part was not large enough that physically had enough tissue for them to do the reconstruction with that they use parts of his colon (laughs) to do the reconstruction well what happened 
Oh, what happened? It, multiple of his organs went into sept, uh, sepsis, right? Septic. Yeah. And he died. And he died. This was senseless. Mm-hmm. This is our, just our kids are being sacrificed on this altar. Yeah, we've moved past just abuse of kids in this fashion. Yeah. To, this is actual sacrifice. It is. Yeah. It is. It's actual, actual sacrifice. Um, I wish I would have said it uh, this way on on Sunday. You know, the trans, uh, I'm quoting John Moody here, the trans movement is just the old religion of sacrificing children to demons in new packaging. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's, it's all it is. It's just a new priest, or uh, it's the same priest, it's the same God, it's just a different package. Mm-hmm. And, and that's... And sanitized. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we got to realize that that, like, this is a story from the United States. Right? This isn't just something that happened... Well, that's know. the crazy part is you go to third world countries that first world countries like to make fun of, and they look at us like we're absolute crazy people. Because <laughs> we are. Because we are. We have somehow reasoned ourselves and gotten enough technology uh, that we can do this these absolutely stupid things. I haven't uh, watched it yet, but it's my favorite clip that I've seen from the Matt Walsh What's a Woman documentary, is that he goes to like some tribes in Africa and ask them what a woman is and they just look at him like you don't know (laughs) 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 which is hilarious in its own right but then like the next part of it is he begins to explain to them the options that he has in america of what he can become (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's just insane so man i i like i i don't start those examples uh to be flashy but started that kind of example to get our attention so that I can say uh, that that's not too different than the same than things that we as Christians do. So, like for example, you want a certain lifestyle, and so parents then ship their kids off to a school, right? so, and, and, and so that both parents can work. Right? So that both parents can work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that that could even be a Christian school. Sure. So uh, I think this typically happens in just sending them to state schools, but but like th- this. Maybe in your situation, particularly for those really, really young years, like having the kids at home is a really valuable mm-hmm. um, versus sending them off to daycare just so that you can have a little bit nicer car. I mean, just so that you can have a little bit nicer house just so or or you uh, or you send them to state school because you already pay property taxes versus sending them to a private school. that's going to cost you more money. Yeah. Out of pocket. Right. Uh so that you can have a particular house or you can have a particular, I mean, think about what you're trading. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't understand. You're sacrificing your children, their, your children's heritage, uh, the gospel going forth. You're sacrificing their good, their goodness, the glory of God through your children. For what? For what? I really, I don't understand when parents don't put those things on the scale next to each other. Well, we're told explicitly to do that in First Corinthians thirteen or three, rather, because uh, this eternal perspective, it, no matter your view of eschatology, is coming through. You have to recognize that this is going to be what actually happens to all of the stuff that we do. First uh, Corinthians three, 
it talks about what is actually going to happen for each of us. So you have let each one take care how you build upon what came before. Mm-hmm. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now it's fine. But now if anyone builds and we all build on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. Mm. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Oh, man. So, yeah, you, you trade sending your kid out in these formative years and they're late, whatever. You, you tr- it, whatever. You send them out so that you can have a nicer house, car, less stress because you've got more in the bank account. Yeah, I mean, not be- everybody spends their money. Some of them hold on to it. Because educating them is too hard. Yeah. But then when that gets put through the fire, the house will burn. The car will burn. What, what do you mean? Your child will burn. Your child will burn. You are making children of hay and straw. Though, though you may, and here's here's the though you may be saved yourself. Yeah. And your child then gets burned up mm-hmm. on this altar in the name of your lifestyle choice. Yep. That's insane. Yes. So you can keep that in the back of your mind as we walk through these other examples. <laughs> I, I just, we're not trying to be like one-trick ponies with this cultural stuff and and uh, the sexual agenda of the LGBTQ. Like th- we hold that up because it's saying, "Hey, everything else before it has led to this." Yeah, and, and these are the everything else before it's. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Um. Like another example, you you want your your child to like you, so you let them dress terribly. Mm-hmm. So what do they what do they do? Uh, and this could be immodesty, whether it's uh, sleazy, slutty looking, or terribly, as in they're just not dressed fit for the occasion. Yeah, um, you know that they're, they're not dressed nicely because they're ready to think nicely, mm-hmm. um, or dressed in play clothes because they're ready to play. Yeah. So dressing them appropriate for the moment. And, and, and I'm still working through this stuff myself, but all because what? Because I just want a little more easy of a morning to go by, or I just want a little more, uh, I want them to like me, or I, I, I don't usually struggle with that that much. <laughs> Mine's more like <laughs> ease and comfort when it comes to that. Sure. So it's just easier just to let them put on whatever hooligan-looking thing they want to put on. <laughs> but then what's the cost? What's the cost? So what I wanted was just ease in the morning. Uh, what was I willing to sacrifice? My child's preparedness to learn or to use the moment for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. That's what I was willing to sacrifice. Yep. Um, maybe another example would be uh, your desire to feel powerful or strong in yourself. Uh, like So, I mean, like in your autonomy. So, you seek your own pleasure, maybe via things like porn or uh, the affirmation of somebody else. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you desire comfort, so you sacrifice having the really hard conversation that you need to have. I mean, just, just think about where that goes, whether that's with your spouse, with your kids, uh, with a kid's teacher, with a neighbor, with another churchman. Parents, co-workers. Parents, co- absolutely. And, and so maybe the righteousness that they need to learn or the righteousness that you need to grow and the understanding, like you sacrificed all of that in order to walk in the into the temple of comfort, mm-hmm. um, see you don't you don't have to just 
turn into drugs uh, <laughs> for comfort. You can just run from godly things mm-hmm. uh, for into the temple of uh, comfort there. Uh, or maybe you want to feel good about yourself, so you help people in physical poverty, but not help them in their spiritual poverty. Mm-hmm. And you just do that. So what you do is you sacrifice their spiritual good for the sake of you feeling good about yourself, feeling self-righteous. Because you can do it in your own power, and you can do it right now. Yeah. like That's just stupid. Like, I, I, I don't. <laughs> or... Or you want to, uh, or you want to feel righteous, so you think just listening to a hard, snarky sermon about sin is somehow enough to save you or to to deal with your sin without actually doing anything with it. Yeah. Like be, because you maybe you you feel like your your sin has been beat up on a little bit that now somehow you're one step further. Um, into righteousness. Yeah, there. I have like two pictures. Of so, one spiritual version of this, besides just sitting in the pew on Sunday, I mean, like I did my duty, and I've listened to hard sermons versus the feel good stuff. Like <laughs> that's that's the primary one we're going after here. But there's there's a more common thing of like confessing sin, just to get it off your chest, but not actually repenting from it. Yeah, yeah. Now that one, man, that happens in your own heart between you and the Lord. It happens in DNA. That happens with the spouse all the time. And it, it kind of makes me think about like uh, training in the gym. Uh, my coach always <laughs> he he likes boxing too, so he does some of the striking stuff there. And I don't really care for that, but he he loves talking about the bag swingers. And those are these guys that come in and hit the bag and just get it swinging left and right, and, and they think that that makes them look cool, like they're super powerful. But it's horrible technique. Like, uh-huh. hor- so you're in there doing the work, you know, air quotes. Yeah. But you're actually not accomplishing anything, yeah. except maybe breaking a sweat. Yeah, so. man. You know, get real uh, like another layer of practical here, like with your kids. Uh, I, I hear this all the time. Well, Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, I'm sorry. Okay, son. Okay, daughter. If you're sorry, you will go walk in repentance. Yeah, I need you to be sorry a few less times. <laughs> let's, the, the, the goal here. Let's reduce the occasions. <laughs> Uh, uh, the the walk of repentance doesn't stop when you got the spanking and said I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and and child, if you if you love your mom and dad, we say this all the time. If you love me, you will obey me. Well, that's a picture of reconciliation versus restoration. Mm-hmm. All right, we're reconciled. Price has been paid. Our relationship's good now. But there's work to be done to restore things. Yeah. You have to walk that out. Yep. Uh, maybe uh, getting down to the last couple, maybe last example here. Uh, you want to feel righteous, and so you think, if I just put on this show of repentance, it'll somehow make me feel righteous. And we all know that, like, y- y- y'all, like, whether you know this consciously or not, we all know where the threshold is of righteous-looking activity that you need to do in order to, like, feel as though you've been forgiven of your sin. And for some of us, that's verbally saying it. A, I, I sinned and I did this wrong. But, but then you don't actually go to change anything. You don't actually go to walk out that repentance. And so you know how to walk just enough of what looks like repentance 
in order to feel righteous. And I, I like to call that you're just pimping righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, you're taking such an incredible gift of God and perverting it. Yeah. So if you're truly repentant, you will truly walk it all the way out. Not just just enough so that you feel some sort of release mm-hmm. uh, or some sort of um, ease to your tension. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's my list of examples. You you brought up earlier like the idea of what what um, kind of what around us feeds. Yeah. Like what what is feeding these uh, sacrifices, these things we want. Um, very practically, what are you? These other at? things that we're desiring, really. I mean, that's that's where you're kicking it off of. Like, but, but what's like feeding those desires? What's, yeah. What's shaping our desires? What's shaping? So, so meaning, like, if we tie this back to the text, like they're looking out at their Jewish relatives and friends, and they're saying, "Wow, they appear to have these successful good things over here." And they're getting those because they're physically walking down the road with a sheep in their hands, going to that physical priest, physical sacrifice. Yeah. So for us, like sitting in our cars, sitting in our homes, walking down the road, what is it that is shaping us? Like what is in our what's in our view? What's yeah. it, what's it? What is coming in the the eyes, the eye gates, well, and so the I ears? Think the the problem is is that we feel that tension of like not only do we not see our high priest or have a, a sacrifice in our hand. But all the while we're doing that, we're suffering, right? That's what mm-hmm. we're promised. And so it's like, things are not going well for you, they would say to us, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah, this is a little rough. No, we're, it isn't. We're suffering, but we're more than conquerors. All those things are true. And so if you have that, like, dismal view, then, yeah, you're going to be tempted for all these other things. And the things that appeal to you, uh, I think, are three. We talk about two of them a lot, and I brought up an extra one I wanted to talk about. But we talk about TV a lot and media that comes in our eyes, um, and, and we talk about you know what we see on there and what you need to let, let me just list them all first. We talk about TV a lot. We talk about social media a lot. Yeah, um, that that one's out there. But the one I wanted to bring up specifically is music. Music is one that we don't talk about as much. We did a lot early in our youth ministry days. I don't know, probably because. Well, social media wasn't really a thing then. No. I'm that I'm that no. old, so that's fun. Thanks for helping me realize that. Um, <laughs> I didn't help, but you're welcome. Yeah, I'll take credit. Uh, social media wasn't really a thing there as much, and you know, TV was still not great, but it wasn't like Netflix bad. So, music was a big thing before, and it still is. If you get on iTunes, I don't know about Spotify because that's weird. If you go on iTunes and you just look at iTunes Store, it doesn't tailor it for your listening. It doesn't. There's no algorithm there other than like what's most popular. Mm-hmm. But it is horrifying, and and that's that's where our kids' friends are at. I don't I don't think it's where our, our, our people are at necessarily, but like that's what's going on in the culture around us. Yeah, is is that kind of music and that kind of now? Here's what I want to do though. I want to frame all three of those things. And what we're supposed to understand. So when well, we look at- before you do that real quick, let me just capitalize on the like that's a real thing on yeah. the music. I just spent like a week not too long ago with a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> okay, and, and when do you know over half of them, at least I'm trying to be generous here, had their earphones in their ears the whole time. I believe it. Yeah, while they're working, while they're I mean, 
talking with other people while they're eating, just earphones. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you like? Hey, Earth to so and so, I'm here with you right now. Yeah, I'm right in front of your face. So, a there's a pet peeve of mine there because it's that's because you're old. <laughs> well, but so are we <laughs> walking around with headphones in your ear when you're talking to other people oh, and, know, and involved with them is just stupid. There okay? you go. It is. Uh, but uh, what are they listening to? Right. I mean, they're listening to music. That's my whole point. They're listening to music. Yeah. And and hopefully it was it was at least good music, like godly music. But I doubt <laughs> I'll, it. I'll settle for good. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, right, so, so you said you're going to frame this what do you mean so the framing for this is like what feeds these things right these three things uh, and there's there's others but these are big ones tv that's your stories right god gives us the right stories yeah they're giving us different stories to tell us what uh, what reality should be right that's why we frame stuff right now at least in our liturgy and the story, this is what should be. This is what God has designed. This is what who he is, what he's done, and where he's going. Yeah. Social media, community, mm-hmm. right? That, that's find my tribe, find my community. Now I got my chosen families and everything. Like all, like I was watching Creed 3, the new Creed movie, and at the end, uh, his wife does this little blurb, and she, uh, I think it's in the, in the extras, but she says, whether, whether it's your family or your chosen family, and I'm like, Whoa, Dude, man! I, I don't know. Whoa! If you don't know what they mean by chosen family, that's where the culture is headed. So you, totally side note here. Yeah, but y'all, but y'all gotta be aware of these things. So you know, President Biden just said there are no such thing as other people's kids. Yeah, uh, and ba- what he's saying is the nation owns the kids. That's mm. his point. This is in the context of him uh, defining fascism, right? Yeah, yeah basically. He's he, no, at this not point, that one. He's getting no, because they, they're not fascists. That's <laughs> they're liberals. They're not. They're not fascists. So this was him getting on Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, for banning uh, woke ideology and all this kind of garbage books from the school system, and he's saying that that's a that's a shame, mm-hmm. uh, and that that's terrible. And he's saying, basically, we need to stand up for all these kids who they're they're not they're not that that family's kids. They're our kids. Yeah, it's it's Big Daddy State's kids. They need our values. And so, where this is headed is they're trying to make autonomous children. They're trying to make them sovereign, so that then they can choose which family they go to. Mm -hmm. So if they if they don't if they don't have an, an affirming parents. They can divorce themselves from those parents and go to a different set of parents. Yep. Their quote chosen family. Yeah. That's where this is headed. We're going to see this in the next uh, ten to twenty years. Yep, it's coming. So th- that's the community. That's the tribe, and it goes all the way down to blowing up the n- nuclear family. Yep. And then the last one is the worship, the hymnody, the yeah. music. That yeah. iTunes page is their is their hymnal. Yeah. And so these three things that God has put in our life to structure. All that's wrapped up in the appropriate worship of God, the altar, the high priest, all of that has been polluted, has been distorted, and turned to to confuse people. Yeah. Um, it, it ultimately it's lies, but yeah. it's to confuse people, it's to draw them away, and that's that's what we're battling. So it's not amoral. Yeah, that's right. Some of you, some of you like parents right now. If you just want to make a difference, faithfulness for you just simply looks like going and taking your kids' devices away from them. <laughs> yes, please. 
Like it would, it just would really be that simple. Yeah. And don't give it back. Yeah. It used to be that like with media and stuff, parents could, for the most part, keep abreast and keep up and read or listen to the things, check out all of the media that their kids are consuming. But it's, there's so much now. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. Just, just, and again, just why I, I know some people cringe at that idea. It's just, it's just not that hard. Why is it that hard? Are you afraid of your kid? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Just talk about are, are the consequences. You, are you afraid of your fourteen-year-old? <laughs> yep. And if and if you are, do you need someone to come hold your hand? <laughs> like I just don't get it. Are well, you? Are you it's, that it's soft? It's the trade. It's no. It's not even the softness. It's that it's worth trading. Yeah. That, that's the personal worship component. Yeah. What do you have in your hand that's so much more valuable than the eternal destination of your child? Mm-hmm. I, I just. I, yeah. Yeah, and it, I, my thing is, if we don't name it that, then it's just a matter of making fun of them. It's not that the things are going to be tested by fire. That's what's at stake. You know, the downside with the podcast is that the people listening can't see my face right now. Well, I was trying to throw up quotes earlier, and you kept tapping the table like you were preaching. I'm like, they're going to hear that through the mic, but that's appropriate here, so <laughs> that's fine. It's not your it's not your tire coming off your off your van. It's it's, uh. it's Matt. Being emphatic, so <laughs> I'm, being a, I'm being a meanie. I'm but being a meanie. Just to my desk, like <laughs> take care of my my nice walnut. Well, let's let's wrap all that then down to this thought here. If your hands are full, then you don't have any room for which to grab a hold of Christ, mm-hmm. and that's the trade-off here. Now, oh, what I want us to do, so that back to the fittingness sermon from last uh, two weeks ago, yeah, uh, and apply it here. We're still very much in this context. Don't, I mean, there certainly is this grand theoretical spiritual component to this that if if you're walking self righteousness, then then you know Christ didn't come to die for uh, the uh, the well, but for the sick, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't come. He didn't come to die for the self righteous ones, but for the right for these ones. So uh, there certainly is this very big ethereal, you know, component, spiritual component. But just think very practically with me. If you are giving your mind, your thoughts, your time to thinking about and scheming uh, to keep, to work, to manipulate the sacrifice that you have in your own hands. Like you got to think about that thing that you have in your hand. How much time do you think trying to secure it, to, to keep it happy, to, to pet it? to to work it like whether it's that house or your kids liking you or whatever and you just keep working that and you keep thinking okay well if i just do this i'll keep them happy and if i just do this and if i don't do this if i just say this and i don't say this like and you spend all that time thinking uh uh, how how do i stroke that sacrifice in order to get what i want that is physically time and energy mental space study time emotions Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, time in a day that, that you literally don't have for literally confessing your sin to your holy God and then knowing and trusting and walking in the forgiveness and the freedom that he offers you. Mm-hmm. You literally don't have room for it. Yeah. It just You just don't have time. Not fitting. It's not fitting. So you might be, you know... Happy as a clam walking down the road, or however clams walk, 
uh, you know, just happy because you got something in your hands, just like all of those pagans or all of those quote nominal Christians around you. Yeah, y'all might be happy, but you're all a bunch of lobsters in a pot, and someone's just turning the water up on you. <laughs> I did this for our kids uh, for the uh, for home group that night. Is cut out some puzzles for them on the on the laser, and uh, they tried to fill in the spots with like play doh and other pieces of paper and stuff. Uh, just to see, hey, is it fitting? And I'm like, well, you can kind of get the Play-Doh in there. And they got Play-Doh in there, but then there was this picture. We finally gave them the actual pieces that fit in there. And <laughs> Avery put uh, one of the pieces down and then took some scissors and put it on top and started trying to jam it in. And it wasn't fitting because there's Play-Doh in there. That's right. It, it, it's not, you have to get yep. all of the Play-Doh out. Yeah, which is just the picture of repentance and faith. Mm -hmm. It it is. So just just don't um don't uh, don't don't look fondly upon at, at those people in their lives. Don't don't be tempted. Don't that, long for that, Egypt. This don't ex <laughs> yeah don't long for Egypt again. They're they're a bunch of lobsters in a pot that mm -hmm. the water's just slowly getting warmer. Yeah. And, and they and they don't realize it. Don't be that person. Their end is destruction. <laughs> don't be a lobster. That's no t-shirt. T-shirt. <laughs> hey, rock lobster. I, I want yeah. I want you to make a t-shirt like that for all of our people to wear. Just be uh, rainbow colored lobsters on a pot. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm on it. And then I want and then I want their neighbors to like ask him, what's that shirt mean? Oh, that would be a great conversation starter. <laughs> I told you the other day that I'm going to train my kids to say something like, cause when Winnie was getting her um, uh, tonsils and adenoids taken out, two of the nurses walked in with them, god-awful rainbow, like infinity signs and such on their things. And, and I want to train my kids, uh, even Winnie, to say, oh, wow. That was the that rainbow reminds me of the time that God drowned all those evil pagans and and plans to burn them with uh, fire the next time. Next time, yeah. <laughs> and see and yep. see what they say, and then and then train my kids to say. And you know what? Uh, God has offered them forgiveness through just like He has for me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, there there is hope of salvation for them just as there was for me. Yep. Um, and uh, and we'll see where that uh, get on the ark, baby. <laughs> We'll see on the arky arky. So there you go. Rainbow colored lobsters, lobsters in a pot. It says, don't be that guy. <laughs> I love it. Well, as always, I hope that this has been super helpful. And you can please uh, submit your uh, any other ideas that you have or drawings. That would be helpful. I also want to encourage you guys on something else. If you have any questions that would be uh, good for us to answer, like in the mailbag, uh, and if you even want to hear any one of us in particular to talk about it, uh, send your emails this time, not to Pastor Jeff. Uh, I know that's the trope, but send them to me. Um, you should have my email. It's my name at our website. Uh, that's all I'm going to say because this goes out on the interwebs. But uh, send your questions for a mailbag here. Just put in the in the subject line, cold pizza. And uh, we're going to try to tackle some questions over the coming weeks um, and make sure that we're hitting some of the pieces that you guys have 
Uh, but thank you for, for listening for the response that you've had for cold pizza since we started. Uh, we hope that this continues to be helpful. And as always, we want to encourage you to know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Don't be that guy. Thank you.